Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. That's right. I'm here. I made it. And a very special guest today, our designated reader for the day, Mr. Tom Postpacall. It's great. It's great to be here on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, we Tom. We have another reader. Yeah, Tom is a faithful listener uh, and a member of our congregation. Um, him and his wife, Linda, uh, do just awesome stuff. I mean, I can't even list all of the things that they do for Bait to Heal Community. And, uh, you know, we're always joking because he makes jokes to us about the stuff we say on the podcast. Like, the whole reason we say this is Studio A is because of Tom. There's probably a couple other inside jokes that we have that are all Tom's fault. Um, but we're excited to have him here. And so uh, today we're studying the Torah portion uh, of Torah portions, the one that we really hold near and dear to our heart. I know that I say all of them are my favorite, but uh, Vyagosh has got to be um, our most listened to podcast from the past. So um, we do have other episodes on the Torah portion Vyagosh. And you can just and search. that's interesting, Ryan, because it doesn't say Judah approaches Joseph. No, it's exactly, by Yigash. That's right. It's a Hebrew, you know. It's, it's a Hebrew, Hebrew word, right? Hebrew, exactly. By so uh, and so, Vayigash means and he approached. Who approached? Judah approached. Who? Joseph. So it's Judah approaches Joseph is our little theme here. And uh, this can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter forty-four, and uh, starting in verse eighteen and ending in chapter forty-seven and verse twenty-seven. Excellent. And you know, just a little reminder for all of you that this book of Genesis is pretty interesting. You have all of mankind kind of mentioned, uh, all of the humans mentioned in chapters 1 through 10. But once you get past chapter 11 and get into 12 on up to even chapter 50, you're going to see the family of Abraham. You're going to see a characterization of each character like Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And then the storyline goes right into Joseph, Yosef, which is very even prophetic for today, uh, as we will discover in this uh, particular Torah portion. So without further ado, we got to have our guest reader, Mr. Tom Postbuckall, is going to be, of course, reading Genesis chapter 44, verses 18 through 22. Once again, Judah approaches Joseph. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear, and let not thy anger burn. And burn against thy servant, for thou even a Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have a father or brother? And he went unto the Lord. We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead and alone is with his mother and his father loveth him and thou sayest unto thy servants bring him down unto me that i may set my eyes upon him and we said unto my lord the lad cannot leave his father for he should leave his father his father would die wow that's an awesome awesome introduction there so once again uh the the brother that came forth uh close to joseph to speak with him was of course <coughs> judah 
And of course, we're going to find out in Genesis chapter 44, verses 19 through 40, 34, basically. Uh, this is an interesting storyline that he's going to be uh, giving his big monologue here to Joseph. He says, basically, it's about as Judah shared with Joseph all of the circumstances involved with the brothers and their father, he wanted to take the place of Benjamin to be Joseph's bondman. I know Mike Cromwell last night made a very good point in our uh, small group Torah study in regards to Judah, you know, that uh, he had lost a couple sons. He had lost a couple sons. And, and uh, uh, of course, this storyline, even what Tom read in, in verse 22 of chapter 44, it says this. This is what Judah says to Joseph. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. So once again, Judah knows what it's like to lose two sons mm, yeah. in the whole story of Tamar. And so he's realizing, wow, he's already lost Joseph. I can't really do that to my father. And so he kind of steps in uh, the gap here and, and just makes like, a, he's just like a, you know, a, a, you know, an intercessor basically. And so what an interesting storyline, how this character develops through Judah, you know, and of course he, he was very uh, zealous and he, of course, you know, in regards to Tamar, but it all worked out, and the Messiah's line is still roaring to go, ready to go. But, uh, you know, remember now, J Judah lost two sons. So if he realizes that, man, if I, if I lose Benjamin, if we lose Benjamin, that's going to really put my dad over the edge because I know what it's like. I lost two sons. So what do you think, Ryan? Well, I just think that um, if you remember from the end of the last tour portion, um, this is, you know, Joseph set these guys up because he wanted to keep Benjamin with him and send the rest of them away, right? Because right? Benjamin was too young to have played a part in selling him into Egypt and Absolutely. all that. And so, um, you know, when when they had said, hey, we'll be your bondsmen uh, or whatever, because to put themselves in the place of Joseph, in verse 17, the last verse of the last Torah portion, he says, and he said, God forbid that I should do so, and this is Joseph speaking, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant, and as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. So what's happening is the the worst possible case scenario for these guys is is occurring. The thing that they feared the most, right? They go and they they're gonna die if they stay in Canaan, right? And they're uh, and so pick, they're pick your poison, die right. of a famine, yeah. or you want to be shot or hung. Pharaoh's right? assistant. So so now they come over to Egypt, and the very you know thing that they were afraid of is is literally happening before their eyes. That Joseph is gonna keep Benjamin, and that they're gonna have to return to their father, and they don't know who Joseph is yet. Right, so That's this is true. this is the key here. He's setting them up. He's setting them up. Now the question is: Is this Joseph's own doing, or is this God's plan? Oh, I he's mean, led by the Holy Spirit. I th I think you know he's he's inspired to to see if they've learned any lessons, maybe. Because remember, Ryan, you reap what you sow. Yeah. And I've always shared this, even among the in ministry, people are real critical of the church or ministers or ministries. And we got to be careful because if if you're gunning for somebody. Somebody's going to be gunning for you. You reap what you sow. And that's why, you know, we really got to keep President Trump in prayer. Yeah. Because one of his things is that, man, if you come after him, he's coming after you. Yeah. And and so he's got to remember that, you know, he's got to, uh, you know, he's got to be thinking, man, there's 7 billion people in the world. Yeah. I know not everyone's going to like me, but I need to move on and work on my policies and stuff. So You know, Joseph doesn't have it. the last 20 years uh, of context for Judah and the brothers' lives and everything that happened. They don't. He doesn't know... Uh, what the brothers went through watching their father being upset about 
Joseph, you know, being quote unquote dead. He doesn't know what happened with Judah and Tamar and how, you know, Judah finally kind of turns a corner and steps That's up. That's right, because Judah, of course, left his brethren to go do all of this. Right. He doesn't know that Judah also lost two sons. He doesn't know all these details. That's right. So in his mind, he's thinking, you know, I want to keep Benjamin for myself. And uh, in these guys, if if history is any predictor of, of the future, they're probably just going to make up a story and say that Joseph got, or Benjamin got killed by something and then, you know, go back. Or that, hey, the evil ruler in Egypt, which we can't do anything about, stole him and that they're just going to leave. I don't think Joseph expects what comes next. Well, you got to remember, we have to take the scriptures literally. Okay. And Judah never, ever admitted that, hey, we, we lied about our, our brother's death. Right. He said he's no more. So he kind of left it at that. So it's kind of like covering something up. You know, what I find interesting in the days in which we live, a lot of things are being uncovered. You know, a lot of things are being uncovered. So the uh, Aleph Beta videos are very good. For those of you that are listening to this podcast, this is a Jewish Orthodox site that actually plays videos and teaches the Torah. And they do a very, very good job of it in, in the portions. They're going to give you a slant or a perspective that you didn't think about. And I love the one uh, that they actually showed in regards to this situation. Well, why didn't Joseph try to go back with his family? Uh, good point. Why wouldn't he try to go back to see his father or whatever? But you got to remember, he lost everything when he was thrown into the pit, sold into slavery. He lost everything. He lost his 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 family. He lost his name. He literally lost everything. And so he's thinking, you know, if my father loved me, he would come look for me. Yeah. Someone would, you know, someone would break or something would happen. There'd be a break in my family. They would tell the truth and they would come find me because they know I went down to Egypt. And the interesting story is that, you know, he told his dreams and his family persecuted him for it. Yeah. You know, his dad reprimanded him and his brothers were jealous. And, and of course he was what, of course he was thrown in a pit, right? So all these things happen. So now all of a sudden, as he is in, in, you know, in prison and he can interpret dreams, he's like, Hey, look, Pharaoh needs me. He likes that I can interpret his dreams. Yeah. He gives God the glory. He says, God interprets dreams, but he's like, Hey, listen, this guy wants the interpretation. He wants my gift. Yeah. So instead of being squashed, he's being, he's being promoted, yeah. you know? And then he says, look, Pharaoh, you know, he, he took me out of the dungeon. He cleaned me up. He gave me my garments. You know, my brothers tore my clothes off me. They threw me in a pit. And here I am from the pit to the palace. And he's thinking, you know, Pharaoh's like a, you know, it says that, that Joseph was like a father to Pharaoh. But I think Pharaoh was like a father to Joseph in that regard. Yeah. That he gave him all those things that his father should have given him, but couldn't because of the circumstances. Right. So we're seeing this unfold right before our very eyes. And of course... I, I like this question, you know, why is Judah taking Benjamin's place such an unselfish act and shows character, you know, and I would say because he took responsibility. Oh, absolutely. Well, the prospect there is that he would be uh, enslaved in Egypt for the rest of his life, you know, again, because he doesn't know who Joseph is. Right. And uh, and so he yeah. would literally be trading himself in for someone else. I mean, that's, so, you that's know, really you the most unselfish it, thing someone well, can do. Well, you figure 13 years had passed. And and, he, and and the funny thing, this is another thing too that we need to bring out in the storyline is that Joseph understood Hebrew, right? So when they were all talking among themselves, yeah. he knew exactly what they were saying. But thirteen years had passed because he was thrown in the pit at seventeen. He comes to Pharaoh at thirty, and the whole storyline, the whole temple is kind of interesting here as far as uh, uh, symbolism or types and shadows is that 
Joseph literally is a type of Messiah, but we're not going to get into all that. But that's chapter 44. And now we're going to get time to read Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. This is the climax of the story here. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doubt my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years had the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. to save our lives by a great deliverance. So now I was not you that sent me hither, but God and he had made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler through all the land of Egypt. Excellent, excellent. Think about it. Now the public reading of scriptures, remember, what, whatever you speak comes toward you. So we're, we're giving you the word of God here. And, uh, and of course, you know, Joseph told every man uh, to go out for me, except for his brothers, when he could not refrain himself anymore and cried. Once again, he, he told every man to go out from me. You know what's interesting, uh, even in regards to the whole teaching of the two houses and this understanding, those that are critical of it really aren't even a part of it. You know, And so it's interesting because Joseph's asking these people to go out of the room because there's going to be a family reunion. It's going to be a little more intimate. You know, it's kind of like when you get into the Holy of Holies, the place is smaller than the outer court. And as you go closer with God, the space gets smaller, Yeah. you know, and that's the thing. It's like a vetting process. You know, as you start outside the tabernacle, there's all this space. And then there's the, the there's the rectangle, the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies, you know. It's interesting, you know, I believe there are three classes of people in heaven. Um, of course, I don't decide who gets in and who doesn't, but I will say this, though. Uh, there is, of course, you have the bride, the bridal party, and then the guests. Mm. This is all throughout the parables of, of, of the Gospels. And so uh, this is an interesting uh, story because this is my favorite Torah portion of all time because I'm actually witnessing this. This is actually happening. So just keep that in mind. You know, this isn't for everybody, but those of us that get to participate, we're truly going to be reunited in a family. You know, there's going to be no strings attached, no manipulation. It's going to be the real deal because we've all been put through the fire. We all know what we believe. We all know what God is doing. And we're, of course, all moving towards that high mark. And so Joseph, he, he wept aloud and the Egyptians, along with the house of Pharaoh, heard it. He wept aloud, Yeah, you know. And, and I love this because his brothers, man, this is how they reacted when he revealed himself by saying, I am Yosef. I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? You know? And, and so once again, it, it says that they were troubled at his presence. Uh, in the Hebrew, the word troubled is actually, they were terrified. Like, oy vey, look at this. Joseph's alive. And here he is, you know, and, and I, I like the story, you know, and it goes on to say that, that Joseph told his brethren, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither for God did send me before you to preserve life. 
right? And of course, he says right here, the famine at the time of the reunion of Joseph and his brethren uh, was two years uh, in and had five more years to go. So what's interesting about that particular story is Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, were born during the seven years of plenty. Mm-hmm. You know, Genesis 41, verses 46 through 54. So Manasseh was the firstborn, and then, of course, Ephraim was the secondborn. Once again, his children were born. They were born in the time of plenty. Now, what I love about the story is, is the parallels that we can find in regards to here's Manasseh comes out first and and joseph is like you know his name means to forget because joseph had to forget his past he had to forget his brothers and his dad and he says look where i'm at now look what i have now look who i am now you know and of course and then when ephraim came along he's like look not only do i forget about all that stuff and look what all i have but i am fruitful yeah i am fruitful i look i have the position that my father gave me this coat and I have this position. And now, you know, he's, he's just doing that. And what I love about God as this actually uh, even says in Genesis 45, 7, then I'll share this one thought. And God sent me before you to preserve, which is to put for you a remnant. You are a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He sent me before you to preserve. You know, that's what Beit Tehila is. We're preserving the seed, that those coming out of the nations, this area. You know, we are, we are a force to be reckoned with, you know. And, of course, we know that we are here to preserve God's plan and his seed. And, and so the, the funny thing is, and this is what's really, really exciting for, for Ryan and myself and Tom, is I had no experience with Jewish people whatsoever in my life, you know. The only experience I had was in elementary school. There was a, a girl named Jackie Shulman, and she didn't show up one time. And I says, hey, where were you? She says, it was a holiday. I says, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and she had taken off one of the Jewish holidays. Yeah. And that was the only experience that I really ever had with Jewish people. You know, her name was Jackie Shulman. I'll never forget the story, because that was a seed. Yeah. Well, why didn't you come to school? You know, it was a holiday. No, it wasn't. So why am I sharing this? Because why all of a sudden now... Out of the nations, all these Gentiles, myself included, love Israel, want to go to Israel, love the Jewish people, love falafel. We just celebrated Hanukkah, like Hanukkah on steroids. I mean, Hanukkah extravaganza. You know, we lit any candle we could find. I mean, and, and the thing is, because God has put something inside of us. And see, Joseph was, see, we were all great in the church. We're just hanging out. We're going to Sunday church. Nothing wrong with that. But all of a sudden, God's got a mandate. He starts whistling for us, calling for us, mm. and, and we heeded the call, you know, and that's why as you're coming out of, of, of a church setting or Sunday church, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that we're hearing the Father's voice, and He's calling us home. He's calling us one to another, and that's what it's really about. What does God want through us? And I know the plan sounds a little off, but it's actually biblical, and the plan is actually unfolding the way He wants it to unfold. And and I'm sharing this with those of you that are caught up in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. Be careful because some of you are stuck. If you've bashed the church, ask for forgiveness. Be legitimate in your community. So Joseph, once again, his whole life got messed up because his brother showed up. And it's just like with us, Hebrew roots showed up and just wrecked our life and said, oh my gosh, what is going on here? You know, and we're, we're trying to work through it all. And so once again, Keep that in mind as as we move forward, because this is happening to all of us. And when they accuse you of trying to be Jewish, just say thank you. Yeah. Torah Rabbah, you know, Torah Rabbah, thank you. Thank you very much. And and I, I love the story, Ryan. You got any thoughts on that? 
Well, I mean, this whole thing has got to be very emotional for Joseph, right? So he's he's kind of gone through a roller coaster. I think seeing uh, the the behavior of Judah at this point has has obviously caused him to weep, right? We've seen that here that he's um, you know he's wept and, and caused everyone in the whole place to hear him. So I mean, he's he's kind of making a spectacle of himself. Uh, at this point, which, you know, understandably so. It's been 20 years that he's not had his family with him. Now they're there. He sees that there's been some changes and things like that, which I think is pretty exciting. Um, but, you know, to the, the point, what what is important to note is even at this point in the story, you know, we're just now, uh, Joseph is revealing himself to his brothers. And what you know, those of us that you know, have come out of the nation, so to speak, have have gotten the revelation that the Torah is relevant for today and all of that. Um, you know, it's important that we understand that we can't just overwhelm the Jewish people with our ideas, right? That they don't know who we are. That's true. They they just don't. They, well, actually, they refer to me as a righteous Gentile. Right. Well, and you know, when I've had conversations with, with friends of mine that are, are Jewish or Orthodox Jews, um, you know, that 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 in when they're Orthodox Jews, then they have some some context for Torah study and all that, and they understand these stories and that, and so we start to tell them some of it. They're like, "Man, I've just never heard anybody talk the way that you talk. Like you're a Christian with Torah. Like it's it's this it's this thing. Then they don't understand. Like it's it's like manna. You know what I mean? Like what is this? And it's cool because you can see them like like you could see walls coming down. Like wow, they they speak the language. You know, like all of a sudden Joseph Something in common. speaking Hebrew. He says, Ani Yosef, right? He says, I am Joseph. He says it in Hebrew. He says, I'm your brother. And so for us to speak their language, because we've studied the Torah, and to say, hey, I'm your brother. I'm here to support you. I'm here, hey, why don't you come and, and let us, you know, be together? Right. Tell me what you're for, not what you're against. Well, and that's the what invitation. He didn't ask them, you know, hey, have you been doing your sacrifices properly? Up until now, Joseph didn't say, "Hey, brothers, you know, did you uh, do right. you do you have you know this or that?" He didn't sit, check their theology. He didn't check their their resources. All he did was he checked their heart and their character, right? And the, you know, the people that I want to associate with have character, and he checks those things. But guess what? The rest of it is, "Hey, you're my brother. Come and be with me." And That's the rest right. the rest will work itself out, I think. So, all right. So, uh, Joseph wanted his brethren to go quickly and get their father and bring him back to Egypt to show that he was Lord of all Egypt. So, you know, obviously it's great to see his brothers, but Joseph wants his dad. Um, Joseph wanted his brothers to then, um, to, his mom, his mom died, right? His mom died giving birth to, to Benjamin. Yeah. Exactly. So Joseph wanted his brothers and their families to come and dwell in the land of Goshen, which is there in Egypt. And then also um, Joseph fell on Benjamin's neck and wept, uh, and Benjamin did the same. And then he kissed all of his brethren as he wept. Well, that's a big reunion. That it is, man. I can time. imagine this. He goes like, oh, Judah. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, What's Zebulun? the matter for you? Ah, oh, Simeon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could just see him going from person well, to person. Well, he knew the person. birth order. Oh, well, he could have. He yeah, placed yeah. them in their birth order at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So Pharaoh you know, wanted Joseph's family to move to Egypt. So this is a, you know, Joseph literally has favor all the way up to the upper echelon, all the way up to the commander in chief. You know, he's got, yeah. he has got uh, favor, yeah. you know, and uh, and that's incredible. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, even as we think of the uh, president of the United States of America, President Trump, the commander in chief, and of course, who's under him, vice president Pence, right? And I want to share this with a lot of you. A lot of you aren't privy to this, but I've I've had the the uh, the opportunity to get some feedback. And uh, actually, uh, every every cabinet position, every every 
you know, uh, administ- every part of the administration is faith-based. They literally have people praying for each department and, and, a, and a spiritual minister or pastor there to, to make sure that it like gets Like a chaplain. Done. Like a chaplain. Yeah. Never before has this ever... See, people don't understand the, the underlying of what's actually in the White House. Yeah, but... You but know, there's actually... Evangelicals actually have offices in the White House. Wow. Literally. You know, you know, uh, you know Trump may have a potty mouth. I know that's what yeah, everybody, I mean, everybody gets upset about that. But, you know, Pence is there. But Pence is like doing the stuff as Trump is twi- oh, doing yeah. Twitter. You know, he's putting these positions in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and for those of you that are listening, you know, don't don't believe everything you hear. Don't think it's just this or that. I mean, there's, there's some really cool things happening yeah. in the White House. So, so. verse 8 says um, that, uh, that Joseph was a, a father to Pharaoh. And so I find this interesting, and I see, you know, I, I was reading this with that kind of mindset uh, this last time. He's only 30 years old. Well, exactly. So, so that means Pharaoh had to have been a young Pharaoh, you know, main, meaning... I don't know, but yeah. It, and it's possible in some way, shape, or form that... But you don't want to mess up his pastries, that's all I That's know. exactly right. Yeah, don't... The baker really <laughs> dropped the ball. There's no Bavarian cream in the middle of this. Birds are going to eat your flesh. So, so with that in mind, I mean, you know, if if the father Pharaoh right dies and he his heir is eight years older, so to speak, you know, then guess what? That's now the new Pharaoh, and so the Pharaoh needs a regent, and he obviously in this situation with the dreams and all that chooses Joseph as that character, and so then when I read through it, it's now been what you know he's been in that position for at least nine years. So the famine went on for seven years, and there's been another two years. So we're at least nine years later. So for all intents and purposes, that Pharaoh, whether he was a teenager or a child at the time that Joseph came into his life, he's now nine years older and kind of has his head about him. He can kind of make decisions for himself. Absolutely. And so he kind of gives here, we're seeing that he starts to give uh, some things to Joseph as a reward because it's like almost like his father, right? Hey, I have all this. Let me let me give you something for yourself now. You know, you've been serving me, doing you know all this stuff for me. Let me now, you know, reward you for your service. And, and like I said, as this story unfolds, it's pretty cool because once again, he has favor of Pharaoh. Now, this is a guy that had the hanger, the 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 the, the baker hung or whatever, and the birds ate his flesh. Yeah. So you know, that's kind of like, ooh, this guy might be tough. Well, I think one thing too, Ryan, that you kind of remember that. Uh, Joseph, even though he was had uh, Pharaoh's favor, he never let God out of his presence. God was always in the presence in everything that he did in in coming up. That it, it was God that interpreted the dreams, and and again, he said that God has made me the father of Pharaoh. Right. So God in His faith was always there and present in His life. That's right. It does. It says that. It says it right there. It says, but God and He hath made me a father to Pharaoh. Joseph. So, yeah. Joseph. And so you know, I'm talking about the, the the favor of Pharaoh as well as it's being is it's coming down the pike here. So Pharaoh gave Joseph's family wagons to bring them back to Egypt, and and Joseph not only gave his brethren provision for the journey back, uh, but gave them raiment as well, which is clothing. And of course, uh, he's going to still divvy it up here because he's got his little brother back. He's so happy that uh, he he gave. Uh, of course, Benjamin, 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Wow. So he gave him 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. That, I would love five suits. Yeah. That would be so awesome. Five suits, you know, every color I need, gray, blue, you know. And, uh, but, you know, Joseph is going to send something to his father. He's going to send 10 donkeys laden with good things of Egypt and 10 she donkeys laden with corn, bread, and meat. The number 10 is very interesting because it means a minion. Ten is a minion, as we see that uh, even Eliezer uh, went to go find a, a bride for Isaac, and he had ten camels. Of course, we have the ten days of all. Uh, we hear this reference, the ten lost tribes. By the way, they're not lost. 
God knows where they're at. Um, and of course, you know, um, this is this is what's happening. We have this number ten. Uh, when when Jacob's sons came back and told that that hey Joseph was alive, <laughs> Jacob didn't believe them. Right. He said no. He said no way. No. Now he knows that his brethren went to Egypt and, and everything, and now they're coming back. And if you want to read, uh, Tom, if you would like to read Genesis chapter forty-five, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight, uh, just if you could read okay. that. Because this is, this is when he starts to believe. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Wow. Now, this is what's interesting. If you go to the book of Hosea, this is an interesting point. And I just want to kind of tie it in because we can go into deeper detail later. But this this thing about Hosea is very interesting because it says right here, you know, in this particular story, it said Joseph had sent to carry him and the spirit of Jacob, their father revived. So when he saw the wagons, he was revived. I mean, he was like revived. And as we look at this particular story here. Uh, I'm going to look it up here. Let's see here. It says right here. All right. Let's see here. I'm looking at it. Here we go. It actually says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Come and let us return unto the Lord. The word is shub means 180 degree turn. It's what's happening today. We are returning. We are being restored. It says, if we do this, he will bind us up. Now, verse two of Hosea six, check this out. After two days, will he revive us? That's the same word used to describe Jacob's feeling of seeing the wagons. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. This is interesting. After two days, will he revive us? Why is this so important? Well, because a day is to the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So what are we seeing? What are we witnessing here? We're witnessing that in Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8, after those days, those two days, he would write Torah on minds and hearts. And so this is, this is what we're seeing unfold right before our very eyes, this incredible family reunion. Oh, and by the way, this is happening in the earth today. Don't you want to be a part of the Mishpachah, the family, this reunion that God is creating, Absolutely. the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles all over the world. So, so we're going to move on into Genesis chapter 46, and Tom's going to read Chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. Oh, here we go. Jacob and his family moved to Egypt. And Israel took his journey with all he had. He came to Beersheba. He offered sacrifices unto the God his father. And God spake unto Israel in the vision of the night and said, Bring these up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon the eyes. And Joseph rose up from Beersheba, and his sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives and the wagons Pharaoh had sent them to carry. And they took their cattle and the goods which they had in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, and Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons, his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all the seed brought he with him into Egypt. Awesome. Wow. So on uh, on Jacob's way back to meet Joseph, he first went to Beersheba, 
and uh, offered sacrifices unto God um, or the God of his father Isaac. So this is cool because when good things happen to us, how easy is it for us to forget God, right? So when things are going well, you're getting promotions or things are going well financially or your relationships are going well, we tend to forget the times when we were in sorrow and we were seeking God, right? But here in this uh, particular instance, the first thing that he does is he stops on the way to go meet his son. Obviously, he wants to quickly go meet his son, right? You think, oh, my son's alive. Let me go see him. But he does the—he keeps the main thing, the main thing, and he stops and he, he sees God really first. South, so he's got to shoot. Over, yeah. I think that's a good point, uh, Ryan, because uh, in our small group last night, we came up there, and you know where he says uh, he was revived after uh, after his sons came and told him that Joseph was still alive. So, you know, we kind of interpret that, that that he was in a, a spiritual depression yeah. for these years that he was gone in this. So he was uh, spiritually just in a dry position right there. But then when he saw that Joseph was alive, again, that just brings the point back that, as you say, when everything's going well, you could tend to go to do the worship. They stop at Bathsheba and, and years, right? do, do the, uh, uh, make the sacrifices. So, I mean, all of a sudden he's got a, a renewing of the spirit. Yeah. Well, praise God for that. You know, um, I, there's things in my life where, you know, I, I think we've all been in the dumps before. I've been revived by things that, you know, good news comes and then it's like, you know, man, you know, joy comes in the morning, right? You know, the sorrow may last for the night, but joy cometh in the morning, says the the preacher man. The Lord wills. The Lord wills. So, um, you know, in, in he goes to Beersheba and, you know, when you seek God and, and you, you bring your best offering, what happens? Well, God, God talks, right? So here it says, And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, I am Yahweh, the Elohim of your father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I there make I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put up uh put his hand upon thy eyes. Now, man, what a promise this is. And how do we see this fulfilled? We, the, the book of Exodus is the story of how this happens. That the, the family of Israel, Jacob's sons, go into Egypt as a family, and there they become a nation, and they leave a mixed multitude, a nation. So Jacob is understanding now this was all of a part of God's plan. Right. It's not just I'm going to go get my son or see my son, and he's going to save our, our lives because, you know, 70 souls of the house of Jacob came into Egypt. 70 means the nations. Think about that. Like oh, even yeah. among the Sanhedrin, there's 70. 70 means the nations. Uh, and, of course, Jacob sent Judah ahead to Joseph, you know. And now Judah's <laughs> kind of stepping it up uh, in this manner. And, uh, boy, when Joseph met his father, he fell on his neck and he wept. I bet. What do you think? And, of course, Joseph told his brethren that he would go to Pharaoh to tell him that his family are shepherds and wanted them to live in the land of Goshen. Shepherds were considered an abomination to the Egyptians, and this would allow them to be separated. So this is not a racist thing. You know, this is like even even like this is like politics. And so what's going to happen is they're going to be able to have their own area. Yeah. And they're going to be able to, to procreate and build this nation up in Goshen, right. of course, in the land of Egypt. And that's what we're going to see unfold before our very eyes. And so once again, uh, the Jewish people are very good at this in building their own communities, right. staying out of the world. And we criticize them for that. But had they not done that, Ryan, there would be no Chabad or there'll be no Orthodox Jews. 
right. matter of fact, you know, they were even forced into the ghettos and different things. See, they knew how to do community. Right. You know, it's funny how people just come and go here. Yeah. But the community for them was everything. Yeah. You know, it's funny that Jews don't synagogue hop. Right. They stay together. Sure. You know, it's funny, pastors and I, we were talking, this one pastor says, hey, you know, all we do is trade sheep. <laughs> and it's, like, it's true. I mean, it's true, right? So yeah. so this, this story is unfolding and developing even more. You know, I would say to Ryan and Tom and all of you listening, you know, we, we play like Jewish videos and we do some things that, you know, will really see where you're at. Yeah. If you're if you're a guest or you're here, you're thinking, what are they playing that for? What's this all about? <laughs> it's because we're like vetting people. It's a vetting process, yeah. you know. And I I like it. I like what God is doing, because we have so many things that are in common with the Jewish people that they're excited about it as well. You know, Christians with Torah kind of blows their mind. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you know, it's it's funny too because they're naturally shepherds already. So this is this is old hat for them. They're not going to have any issues. Um, Jacob, you know, obviously his trade was was as a shepherd, you know, when he was at Laban's house for 20 years, raising flocks of, of sheep and so on, and, and livestock. And so then when he gets to, to Egypt, he's obviously trained his sons up in that practice of, of keeping uh, the livestock healthy and husbandry and, and all of this, which, you know, some of this takes work, right? This is, this is, there's some skill involved with this, some knowledge that's necessary in order to be good at this. Um, and so it's cool because it just so happens. And if you think that God's plan is not in effect, right, it just so happens that shepherds of all things, I mean, like when you think shepherd, do you think like, Ooh, those are an abomination. I don't like shepherds. No, nobody thinks that. Well, it's like, I'm a shepherd (laughs) to to the world. It's an abomination. (laughs) Some shepherds give shepherds a bad name, you know? Exactly right. But, But I mean, you know, what are the chances that these Egyptians would, would not like shepherds? And that it would cause them to be able to be separated and and to not be assimilated. Because, you know, the if they were to have come to Egypt and have assimilated into Egyptian society, they would have never become a nation. It would have well, been impossible. Well, this is true. That's why he created it this way. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's and there's amazing. A, there's a clear distinction. Yes. You know, nothing wrong with, with the Egyptians, but at this point, God wants a distinction. Yes. You know, and so that's what we're actually seeing. So as we get into Genesis chapter 47, verses 1 through 6, this is actually about uh, Pharaoh wants Joseph's family in Goshen. Okay, yeah, that's a great idea. You guys can be in Goshen. This is going to work out. If you want to go ahead and hit those bullet points, Tom, and, and share a little bit, okay. those, those three bullet points there. Joseph told Pharaoh that all his family was in the land of Goshen. When Joseph presented five of his brethren to Pharaoh, he asked them what was their occupation, and they said shepherds. When Joseph's brethren asked Pharaoh if they could live in Goshen to feed their flocks, he granted them request and asked them to be rulers over his cattle. So this is the same thing as, you know, we're saying that uh, Goshen was set apart, that this would be a separate uh, place where they could raise their community, raise their families, and uh, be able to look over their flocks. And then at the same time, you know, they get the uh, the favor of Pharaoh saying, well, while you're all there, can you look over my cattle also? Yeah, how cool and is that? And so he gets, you know, the, again, they get the favor of the uh, of the the ruling class. That's good. That that's good. And so and so as we develop this story, it's very interesting. Um, of course, Jacob's going to come before Pharaoh, and when and, and and of course Joseph says, "Hey, you know, this is my pops. This is my Abba. This is my dad, uh, Jacob Pharaoh. Pharaoh Jacob. You know, uh, and and Jacob blesses him." Yeah. Jake, Jacob uh, blesses the Pharaoh. I think this know? is very cool because of what happens next, right? 
I think yeah, you go ahead and share that. I, well, okay. So, so um, Jacob blesses Pharaoh. You would think that if you're bringing your father before Pharaoh, that Pharaoh would bless Jacob. I mean, he's the king, right? Yeah. But in this case, uh, Jacob, who is 130 years old at the time he's coming before Pharaoh. That's right. Uh, he blesses Pharaoh. And so what ends up happening uh, next? Uh, well, another detail to know is that the land of Goshen is also the land of Ramses. Uh, there is no bread in all of the land because the famine is so great. So, um, you know, at this time, the economic system of Egypt is separated into almost like a feudal system where the landowners uh, are over the area and they're like the governors of their own little provinces. And there is a central pharaoh, but he does not necessarily own all of the land. He doesn't have absolute control or absolute rule over everything. But here's what happens. After the Egyptians in those provinces ran out of money, uh, they gave their cattle, their horses, their flocks, their herds, their donkeys. They gave all of these things in uh, to the central storehouse because they needed the grain that Joseph had stored up for Pharaoh in order to feed their people. And so um, after they ran out of, of money and, and other resources, they ended up having to give up their land. So they traded their land for food. And then eventually they sold themselves as, as um, you know, bond servants uh, to Pharaoh. So, so Jacob blesses Pharaoh, and now Pharaoh's wealth increases dramatically, right? So we see this blessing happen, and then boom. Now all of the wealth and power consolidates into the centralized government under Pharaoh uh, in this in this story right here. And so Joseph uh, then moves all the peoples to the cities uh, from one end of the borders of Egypt and even to the other end thereof. So it's, it's a cool story how all that happens, how Joseph um, is a blessing <coughs> centralizing the power into Pharaoh, and, and but it just so happens that it happens right after Jacob blesses Pharaoh. And, and, and why wouldn't he? He took care yeah. of his son, right? Ryan, go ahead and continue on in this story. Um, so, yeah, I'll, yeah, I will. Go, so, go, go down to, uh, yeah. The next, the next group of people uh, that are mentioned is the priests in Egypt, uh, the Egyptian priests. And they didn't have to sell their land. Um, they were exempt from this. Um, but when Joseph gave the Egyptian seed to sow in the lamb, so he gives... So, so again, now, all the, centralized, uh, all the power is centralized... But the, the fields and all the land of Egypt still need to be sown with, uh, with seed. So he gives the seed to the people, and then he just requires a 20% tax, a fifth to be given back to Pharaoh. They can keep, um, they can keep the 80%, right? But 20% has to come into the central storehouse. Uh, and even better than this, the people were glad. They were grateful for what Joseph had done. You know, I think this is interesting because, you know, we talk about the Lord requiring a tithe of only 10% yeah. yet for Egypt. Uh, Joseph was requiring a 20% tithe from them. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you got to think the government's always going to get their extra little piece, you know? That's that's just how it goes. So um, chapter 47, uh, verse 27 says this. It says, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, <coughs> and they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Wow. I know. You know, I want to just give you guys a, a few things to think about. Uh, you know, right now in the earth, there is a lot of anti-Semitism, and, and there's got to be some kind of a response. You know, I think that even public figures should be, you know, held accountable for what they're saying, you know, because like I said, uh, these are some interesting thoughts that I'd like to share uh, in regards to this story being relevant. Uh, all of Jacob's children were born in Haran, outside of the land of Israel, of course, except for Benjamin. Remember that. All of Jacob's children were born in Haran, 
outside of the land of Israel, except for Benjamin. So a lot of this stuff that's happening with the restoration regathering is happening outside the land of Israel to get people to come back to the land of Israel, to come back to the city of Yerushalayim. But check this out. All of the tribes of Israel and Jacob, their father, were reunited with Joseph in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So I'm sharing this, 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 this vision with the congregation as we were doing these Torah portions. I had just had a real love for the Jewish people. And the Lord was showing me that through this story, that Jews would be contacting Beit Tehillah right. and wanting to come and visit. They're like, can we come and visit? We've, we've heard some things about you guys and you have Torah. And so we'd like to extend a hand. We'd like to come. And, and I'm sharing this story because it's actually, we, we see the fruition of it today, that Judah travels 6,000 miles to come to Beit Tehillah to see us. And to see us do Shabbat and have a Torah scroll that survived the Holocaust from Poland, you know, and they're just flabbergasted. You know, matter of fact, a, uh, a journalist came, a Messianic uh, Orthodox Jewish journalist, the, the, the editor actually sent him out. The paper sent him, paid all of his expenses to come stay with my wife and I and my kids and to do a story on Beit Tehillah. Wow, yeah. And it went throughout all of Israel and different things. And it's really, it's really, really happening. You know, Christians United for Israel organization with Pastor John Hagee, uh, if you didn't know this, you know, they're, they're considered Christian Zionists, but uh, it's estimated they have 7 million members. So this thing about anti-Semitism and the Jew this and the Jew that, you know, I watched this little documentary about the controversy of Judea and Samaria and everything. And it's almost like they're, they're, they're forbidding Jewish people to come to the land and live. Like yeah. you don't have a right to do that. Crazy. You know, there should be a Palestinian state, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is they need a place to live. Uh, this is something to think about as well. And I don't want to forget this. Uh, the comparisons of Judah and Joseph. Here we go. The comparisons of Judah and Joseph. Just going to share this with you. Uh, As far as uh, Judah goes, his mother was Leah. Joseph's mother was Rachel. Judah was born fourth. Joseph was born twelfth. No, eleventh. Oh, yeah, 12th, because Adina, you're right. That's right. Thank you. You like that? Yeah, yeah, I do. You're good. You you pulled that one really quick. Uh, Judah was born in Haran. Joseph was born in Haran. Judah has the scepter. Oh, but Joseph has the birthright, Mm. Ephraim. Judah would be the Jews. Joseph would be the Gentiles. Judah has Judaism. Joseph has Christianity. Judah has a synagogue. Joseph has a church. Judah is circumcised, but Joseph is not, or he's uncircumcised. Judah has no Messiah, and of course, Joseph has no Torah. Uh, I heard it said by by Eddie Chumney, it was kind of interesting, that when the Christians... Uh, get Torah, the Jews get Jesus. So, you know, it's a matter of time. But as we see this story develop, even now, uh, it's quite incredible. Uh, You know, I have this uh, opportunity in 2015 to go during the Feast of Shavuot. Uh, This is my bucket list because I've been at Pesach and Tabernacles. Now for Shavuot 2015, I have Josiah and Nehemiah, my two oldest sons. And on top of Mount Gerizim, I'm putting my hands on them and looking over their shoulders into the valley of Shechem, Shechem. And that's where I could see literally Joseph's tomb today. So it was very powerful. Matter of fact, that lookout point, they've really developed it, made it really nice. Because like I said, that's the, today, the modern city of Nablus, which has got thousands of Arabs in there. 
And of course, you can see Jacob's well is, is in Shechem. Because remember, Shechem means on the shoulders of. Right. So either side of the city in the valley is Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, the mm-hmm. Mount of Blessing, the Mount of Cursing. So just an interesting story that I was able to say, you know, Ka Elohim, Kephrim, Vichy, Manasseh. May God make you a similar blessing as he did Ephraim and Manasseh. Yeah. I got to say that blessing. Well, the following year, 2016, we went for Tabernacles. I took Micah. And we are, we stopped the bus on the side of Mount Gerizim with the vineyards. And I and I prayed over Micah and just blessed him. You know, Yesim Ka Elohim, Kephrim, Vichy, Manasseh. May God make you a symbol of blessing as did Ephraim and Manasseh. This is a 3,500-year-old blessing, a prayer. Yeah. So... Those of you that are listening to this podcast, in, in, in regards to the Hebrews of the Christian faith, we're still on the journey. We're still moving forward. You know, we always say at Passover next year in Jerusalem, but we've got like six guys going to, to High Yovel for the pruning season. Mm-hmm. But, but what I'm saying to all of you listening, be encouraged. You know, God has a divine assurance of good for you. That's what the promise is in the Greek, the epigelia, a divine assurance of good. Be positive. Practice your faith. And and like I said, this is my favorite Torah portion out of the whole Bible, the first five books right here. This is actually happening. Who is going to love the Jewish people? Who's going to love them unconditionally? Who's going to respect Judaism? You know, and, and it's interesting, you know, we've got a guest coming from Israel this month to share about how he's going into even Africa and helping Jews to get home. Yeah. And and even Christi- Christians are involved, pastors are involved in this in this process because it is important, you know. <coughs> the scepter will not depart from Judah, you know. Judah comes back to the land first. That's what we see. Right. Because, you know, in, in the Assyrian captivity in 722, we were taken out, then Judah in, in, in what, 586. So the bottom line is that with Judah coming back, they are, you know, they make up Israel, but I'm saying that there's more coming. So do you guys have any last thoughts on that? Um, you know, this this whole thing is is super exciting. Uh, again, I just think that it's important to understand that this Torah portion is, is prophetically where we're at. Uh, the reconciliation of Jews and Christians um, is a big deal. And, you know, those of us that, that have a full of understanding of our identity through Yeshua, our identity in Christ, so to speak, that we become grafted into Israel, that we're the nations returning back, that it's just a, an awesome thing to note that because of who we are, because we're doing it and we're living it, and I think that's the important piece, because I think a lot of people want to talk about the Hebrew roots, they want to preach the Hebrew roots, they want to tell everybody what they're supposed to be doing and, and pointing the finger and everything, but really we need to turn the finger back on ourselves, we need to absorb these stories, we need to absorb the things that, the character traits that we're supposed to have and to live, the the commandments of God, all these things for us and for our children, for our families, and live them, and then the prophecies will fulfill themselves through us. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that Beit Tehila has been doing this and living this, that, that they've, we've been uh, keeping the commandments of God. We've been doing the Shabbat. We've been doing the feast. We've been keeping the Torah, right? Eating clean, so to speak. We've not been doing it perfectly, but, but we've been doing it. And so uh, now we know that, um, that the return is happening and that and that now Judah is coming to us. And when they come, you know what? They come because why? Because we're in America and they see us as a place of resources, a place almost like Pharaoh in Egypt, right? That, hey, this is this is somebody that's friendly to us, that would support us, that would help us. Let me go to them. But they don't know who we are. They don't know that we are Joseph, their brother. 
but we know. And how exciting is that? Now, it's the family of God. That's right. Now, uh, I know Tom is also a facilitator uh, in our groups on Monday nights. And so every Monday night, we have the question, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion via Gosh? And he approached uh, from a consensus of the group. Tom, what did your group well, come up our, with? Well, our group came up with a couple of them there. And, uh, you know, one of them I think that was really kind of profound is, is of course, we got... Uh, Forgiveness, you know, the families of forgiveness in there. And I think one of the points you have to bring out on this thing was that, yes, uh, uh, Joseph saw that, that his brothers had, had uh, really had the forgiveness in their heart. And because I think a particular point that came out is there, uh, Benjamin became the favorite son after Joseph had, had disappeared or off the scene. And because Benjamin became the favoritism, uh, you could certainly see it that his father you know, with favor with him by withholding him and not letting him go. But yet his brothers did not treat him with the same contempt as they did with Joseph. Mm. So they had matured. And I think we saw the maturity coming along on, on those areas where they weren't holding this family squabble, so to speak, and that they were uh, living as, as a family should be. But I think the other thing that to bring up there is uh, the purpose of God came to pass on this thing where you had the, the faith that everything was orchestrated on this thing, and uh, as long as you held to the to the purpose that that God's uh, uh, would would uh, faith would come across that, and and His purpose of would come to pass. Yeah, Amen. Wow, that's awesome. Your group, you got a pretty good group there, huh? <laughs> so um, the two that we came up with in my group, and I had some young folks in my group, so I I really enjoyed. Um, having the young folks. Sometimes it's hard to get them to talk, but once they talk, they've got great, profound points, you know? I think eight and up, they should be in there talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So um, uh, the first point we came up with was about Judah and how um, Judah is a character that we a lot of us can relate to because he didn't really start out that great. He started out kind of doing some things that maybe were questionable character. But as he went, he matured. And always remember, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Always remember that because there's a lot of characters in the Bible, you know, that started out well, but ended up kind of blowing it in the end and not not ending well. And so remember, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Our second point was that um, just because things happen in your life that you don't like, that aren't going your way, that seem very negative um, or seem catastrophic, it doesn't mean it's not part of God's plan for you and for the world. What, what Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. And not only did he mean it for the good of Joseph, but he meant it for the good of the known world. The entire known world was saved and, and didn't die of starvation because Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. And so when you put those two pieces away, that, he, that it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't have been sold into slavery to Egypt, then, then you, you see that we should trust that the things that happen are God's plan and rejoice in our trials and tribulations, as Paul says, because we will reap a harvest in the end. And, you know, one of my prayers, and, and I, I highly recommend everyone pray this prayer, Lord, don't give me anything that's not of you. I might kick, claw, scream, shake my fist at the heavens, but, you know, I want what you have for me. Yeah. You know, and I think when we go off the path, we can always straighten our course because the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he can still arise. So I would say to everyone listening, fail forward, fall yeah. forward, and it's okay. You know, and you don't fit in. That's one of the biggest things. You know, you're trying to fit in. You're trying to get everybody to see your point of view. You got all your scripture bullets and you're just mowing them down. You know, and, and, and think about it, you know, even today, uh, there was a church shooting and two people died. And of course, the, 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 
the assailant was taken out. Yeah. Thank God, because some members were armed that had a security team in the church. Oh, yeah. But even at a rabbi's house, people were stabbed. So, so what I'm saying to all of you right now is that the enemy is upset. Yeah. That there is this God's last days plan is to restore and regather the whole house of Israel. And that's what the story of Yosef is all about. It's not about the bloodline. It's not about a hierarchy. It's about what is your role to play? You know, I, I identify myself as, as, a, as a pastor, as a Christian. I'm not a rabbi. Okay, I'm not Jewish. I'm not going to pretend to be. I'm not taking anybody's position. I'm just assuming the position that God has given me, that I'm a non-Jew coming out of the nations. And the prophets foretell this. Yeah. So I want to encourage those that are listening. Good things are coming. You know, that's how God gets fruit off the tree. He shakes the heck out of it. <laughs> that's he right. Does. And what does it say? Even in Haggai, it talks about, I'll shake the heavens and the earth, the land and the sea, because he wants the glory. Yeah. You know, and, and just like I said, we're, we're moving forward. God is awesome. And uh, I'm going to let uh, Ryan close this out. Yeah. So if I were to give you guys kind of a, a last point, you know, Tom already kind of alluded to this point. Um, but, you know, in order for Joseph to say the things that he said, to have a, a good perspective and an understanding of what he said in the beginning of chapter 45, where he says, you know, what God, uh, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good, you know, don't even think another thing about it because um, this was meant to be. He must have had a good relationship with God. And so, you know, everything in our lives, if we want good character, if we want the blessings, if we want all that, it starts by having uh, a closeness with God, a relationship with Him, being connected, you know, being in the Word, being in prayer. And so I would leave you guys with that, that, you know, I think it's important. Um, actually, I know it's important that you stay connected to, to the Father um, and that you remember that that nothing nothing good comes if it's not through him. So, um, God bless you guys. Wow. What a great tour portion, man. Vaya gosh in the bag. Um, you know, I want you guys to, to make sure you live stream our services. Uh, as we go, we've got some cool guests coming up, uh, this month, uh, of January. We've got a new decade we're turning over, um, here as we enter into 2020. And so, uh, uh, if you want to live stream, you can go to our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, or on our website at twopraise.net. You can also give. Um, any of you guys who are listening to this today on December 31st, 2019, if you have like a lot of taxes that you're trying to avoid and you want to just make a giant donation to the podcast or the church, go ahead and do that. Uh, the Give tab at twopraise.net, you can do that. And then... Um, if, uh, if you guys need anything, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. You can call the office, 813-654-2222. God bless you guys. Have a great week.